We'll talk about some standout prospects in the AHL, including Joshua Roy, Daniil Gushin, Logan Stankoven, and a lot, lot more coming up on today's show of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High, and on today's show, we'll be breaking down some AHL standouts among prospects. We'll talk about some forwards first and foremost, guys like Joshua Hua, Daniel Gushin, Logan Stankoven. There's a long, long list for us to talk about. Um, we'll also discuss some productive defensemen in our final segment. We'll talk about uh, Brad Clark, Logan Mayu. Olin Zellweger, and Topin Yemela. All that's coming up on today's show. Make sure to stick it out around to the end. But before we get into any of that, today's show is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app and use code LOCKEDONNHL um, at, uh, after creating an account and, and going to checkout for your first purchase. to get $20 off that first purchase. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. All right, so let's get it started here with uh, talk about Joshua Hua because Joshua Hua is not showing any signs of slowing down. And as good as you get in the QMJHL, the step up to the AHL is absolutely massive. And there were specific things that Joshua Hua needed to work on, which he's greatly improved, uh, which really helps with the whole process here. Uh, but yeah, Joshua Hua is well above a point per game. He's one of the most productive rookies in the AHL right now. Um, and is doing really good overall with the, with the time that he's getting in Laval. He's been paired uh, with Sean Farrell, who's another prospect of the Montreal Canadiens in Laval, and both of them are complementing each other's skill sets so incredibly well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a combination of skills there that really works well, but what's really impressed in isolation with Joshua Hua is how he's improved his overall puck movement, his ability to, um, to, to hold on to pucks for just the right moments in order to kind of open up space and, uh, help his teammates kind of create offensively. Um, but what's always been his bread and butter is mainly just delegating off transitions and moving into the offensive zone for a shot. Right. Um, but yeah, what, what have yeah. you liked about the progression in Hua's game so far? I've been really impressed with how he's been able to adapt his style of play to the professional level. His pace, I think, has taken a significant jump in the last year. And yep. that was one thing I was, I think, going to look for this season in in my feelings of Joshua Hua. But it was pretty apparent from training camp onwards that that wasn't really going to be the, the issue that I was perhaps afraid it would be. And yeah. I mean, look, Joshua Hua leads all um, AHL rookies in shots uh, by five uh, with 53 in 15 games. He is shooting often. He's getting into scoring positions. He's finding that soft ice. He's opening himself up for his line mates. I mean, we've seen Sean Farrell find Joshua Hua in the slot about like eight times in the last two weeks. And yeah. uh you can see that chemistry blossoming, which has been really great to see. So I think with, with, with Joshua Hua, he's really been leaning into the skill side of his game, which uh, I think a lot of us were still asking questions about. I know I, I myself was. I think I, I was had a little bit more skepticism about how he would translate as a, an offensive piece to the professional level. 
Yeah. Uh, whereas I think you were always a little bit more optimistic on that end. And uh, so, so far you're looking pretty, pretty good on that take. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's just constantly been um, adapting his game to, you know, th the right circumstances. And we saw it at the world juniors when he was paired with, you know, the likes of Connor Bedard and yeah. Logan Sankoven. It's just the way that he complements the line is so adaptable. Um, he can play that sharpshooter role. He can play that four checker role, um, that defensive forward role. He's a he's a very he molds his game to the circumstances extremely well, and that's one thing that's really underrated um, in, in prospects. And overall, I mean, if you're trying to make it in hockey and watching this podcast, I mean, first, I, I you know might be better off on the ice but still uh <laughs> if you're watching this and want to kind of like work on your game and improve some all things about your game that'll help you kind of reach the next level um try to adapt try to understand what your teammates are doing and mold your game around that i think Roy does that to, to, to perfection and it's been clear every single step of the way i mean in his yeah. draft year when he moved to shabrook for the first time he adapted to his role really well and found that kind of goal scoring role but then yeah. The next year, when he was kind of placed in a primary scoring role, he improved his playmaking because he was he was looking for his teammates more. And then now that he's in the AHL, he's working on the more professional habits of his game. Uh, for example, you know, working on his ability to move off the puck um, in ways that don't just put him in a scoring position, but actually take an opponent out of the play as well. You know, drawing, you know, using magnetism in order to draw players into him and open up space on the ice or, you know, especially working on holding on to pucks for a second longer than he used to. Was a player who used to, especially in the QMJHL, kind of accelerate passes through lanes every time he, he would get a puck. Um, but now we're seeing a Joshua Roy who holds on to the puck, waits for an opponent to draw in and then plays through them. Which is some, which is exactly what he needs to be working on in, in Laval, and that's why I'm a big proponent of with players like Joshua, just let him play in the AHL, let him develop his game, work on these things, and then hit the next ground running. I, I see a lot of yeah. Habs fans pushing really hard to get Juan the A at the NHL, and he I get it. Rough. I yeah. get it. This Habs team sucks. They're last to be in the, <laughs> at the NHL for regulation wins. A lot of their wins have just been scrappy overtime or shootout wins. Yeah, it's. I, I get the desire to see a winning and productive product in the NHL. It's just there's if that's going to harm Roy's development, it's not worth it, especially if you can get a top yeah. three pick in this draft, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. And I mean, speaking of bad teams and young players being called up, like Neil Gushin has been excellent in the AHL this season. And he's what, like a year and a half older than, than Joshua Roy. So I think yeah. he's very much in that age bracket where the call up makes a lot more sense in terms of the development. And yep. uh, he's been very good in my two NHL viewings of him this season. He's played two games so far. He's gotten one assist. But he's been trying a lot of things. There's been a couple highlights of skill plays where he's going between the legs and just experimenting with creativity and just trying stuff and seeing what works. And yep. on a San Jose Sharks team that has been uh, rough, to say the least, uh, I think having an in infusion of skill and creativity is a really nice thing and yeah. uh and he's shown enough at the ahl level in my mind to kind of graduate i mean he's over a point a game to start this season as well and he's been dominating basically every non-nhl league he's been in uh since he's gotten drafted so uh yeah. daniel gushin's one of my personal favorites and another ahl standout here yeah, it's it's with him as well. It's also the progression in his game. He's gone from just a pure creative force with really high offensive skill to a more well-rounded, better defensively, you know, better, more involved physically type of player. Yeah. Um, he's involved in more facets of the game, which gets him more puck touches. And 
the more puck touches Daniel Gushin gets, the better he is. He's just oh, he's yeah. the type of player who exploits every puck touch. Um, and yeah, that's been so, that's been clear so far, especially with his call up. You know, catching a couple of his uh, of his shifts in recent NHL games. I mean, you're looking at a player who has the potential to become a kind of top six force in the NHL, given the the skill set and also the the tools that he's added over the years. Um, and, you know, is that still your projection for Gushin as a top six forward who can kind of do a bit of everything, but mainly bring an, an infusion of skill to your line? I think mainly in a second line role. Like a second line role is kind of always what I've envisioned as his upside. And that has only kind of increased in my confidence in that projection since his draft year. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think that second line upside where he's able to, to, to bring a real element of skill from the wing while also supporting the defensive efforts and, and really being quite engaged off puck uh, in the defensive zone. And uh, he, he's definitely developed into a player that does not project as a liability defensively. Whereas in his draft year, I think that was kind of a concern for some people. Yeah. Uh, but his his development's been excellent, and uh, he's he's one of the the more electrifying uh, young NHLers that that we've seen so far this season, in my eyes. Absolutely, but that wraps things up for our first uh, segment. We'll talk about uh, Logan Stankoven, Brad Lambert, Isaac Rosian, and a lot more in our second segment here regarding forwards that are standing out in the AHL. Before we get into any of that, though, um, we'll get a quick word from our sponsors over at Game Time. If you're looking for tickets for any event that requires, uh, you know, last minute modifications, you know, buying a ticket at the last second, uh, Game Time is the best place to get that set up. Uh, I use Game Time a lot uh, because my schedule is very volatile, so I can find myself with an afternoon free, you know, out of nowhere where I'm supposed to be working, uh, and they're really useful in terms of getting you cheap, effective uh, tickets at the last minute within reasonable, uh, you know, delays. Um, they've got a bunch of deals as well, which really facilitate the whole thing. Uh, they've got last minute tickets, flash seal, flash deals, zone deals, especially if I'm really interesting, where uh, you pick the section and uh, game time picks the seat, and that gives you an average of about 18% of savings. Um, they have the game time guarantee as well, which means that you always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what game time's offering you, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, it's really simple. You create an account, you redeem the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off at checkout. So download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll talk about some more forwards here in the AHL that have been uh, popping off, as they say. Uh, we'll start with Logan Stankoven. 18 points in 14 games so far with the Texas Stars in the AHL. What's new there? I mean, I think we've <laughs> we've been banging the drum for Logan Stankoven for the longest time, and um, he hasn't disappointed so far. Every level he's played at, he's been playing at the top level, outproducing his, his expectations, and especially playing bigger than his size on every show. Oh my god, yeah. He's the definition of playing bigger than his size. It's just the <laughs> intensity on him is absurd. I don't think I can name you a more intense prospect. He just... Everything he does, he just he just puts his whole heart into every shift and it's just he reminds me a bit of brendan gallagher but the skill set is so much better i mean he just the shot's ridiculous right i mean that alone yeah. is just out of this world 
he has some really, really high-end tools to go with that mold of high-intensity winger or center even. Like, he can play both. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I can't say I'm surprised that he has 10 goals and 18 points in 14 AHL games to start the season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a player who's been basically going two points a game, game in the dub since he got drafted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean... De- de- I'm definitely glad that I that I uh, ranked him at like 13th overall in his draft year, and think that's that that's that's aged decently well at this stage. Yeah. And uh, he's one of my favorite players outside the NHL, and uh, I think that he's going to be a really, really, really good, but more than that, extremely likable NHL player for the next decade and a half. Yeah. This is a player that every team is going to hate to play against. But uh, Dallas Stars fans are going to love him to bits. He's going to be a, a cult hero, and if, if, if in, in my prediction, I think like he yeah. he plays that style that that whether he caps out, out as a second liner or a first liner doesn't really matter uh, mm-hmm. because the style that he plays with and the skill that he has is going to be so impactful at the NHL level. He plays such an NHL style of play already. And he did when he was 17 years old as well. And uh, he's only added tools to that toolkit since then. And uh, yeah, he's awesome. He's, he's been great for a while and uh, yeah, he's lighting up the AHL, which puts a really big smile on my face. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's just, he's a very, he's a very easy player to root for. I feel like there's just, so that easy. style of play is just it just makes you want to root for him uh but speaking of texas stars that are working really well in terms oh, of yeah. prospects right now in the ahl we've got maverick bork who's at the same point per game range uh as uh, logan stankov and he's also got 18 points in 14 games but heavier on the assist side he's got seven yeah. goals and 11 assists bork has had an interesting per, per kind of progression uh throughout his uh his his you know post-draft progression there i think that you know when when you look at maverick bork you immediately think okay We've got a playmaking, you know, forward who can play a bit of every role, but, you know, you, you can't rely on him too much defensively. Um, I feel like that's changed its tiny bit. Um, he's gotten better at getting involved defensively. He's gotten more engaged in his own zone. He's back checking harder, um, but he's still trying. I mean, he's still figuring out what the line is between going back hard defensively and still staying in an offensive position. Um but, you know, so far in terms of production, you know, a lot of it can, you know, is going to come on the power play. Um, he's going to be kind of threading those needles on the power play. He's mainly going to be the type of guy who's, you know, connecting with teammates cross ice and, and finding him across uh, the, the offensive zone and just overall kind of quarterbacking the play, but from the half wall. Um, and I think that if, if he's if he's kept in that position as he climbs the ranks, no, even if it's on the second power play for Dallas, you're still looking at a player who's in the right. I mean, he's in his he's in his comfort zone. Um, oh, yeah. that, that's where he's comfortable there. Um, the five on five play has been decent, um, but mainly it's just moving laterally, um, you know, switching lanes, finding those soft uh, areas in, in transition. He's gone, you know, he's approved of skating as well, which is decent. But yeah, what, what's your read on Bork so far? And do you see him as, as the type of player who can make a top six? And, and do you think he will? I've been a really big fan of Bork going back to his draft year. Uh, both yeah. him and Stankoven are players that I would have been banging the table for 15th overall. And yeah. uh, they fell to 47th and 30th respectively, which is mm-hmm. just gross and excellent drafting value. And hey, here they are uh, right towards the top of AHL scoring already. 
Uh, yeah. So Maverick Bork is a player like, in his draft year. I, I was a really, really big fan of his combination of high-end playmaking and goal-scoring ability and overall the processing speed of the game was just second to none in the queue. And yeah. overall in the CHO, was definitely one of the, one of the better ones in that draft class. And uh, while his, his D plus one progression wasn't quite the level that I was hoping for, uh, mm -hmm. he's really stepped up since then at the professional level. And I, I still see a player that projects as a top six center. I think that there's uh, an outside chance that he can be a complimentary top line winger, um, probably yeah. less of a chance than, than with Stankoven, but uh, likely a second line center was probably my, my most comfortable projection at this stage. And as you said, adding in the defensive effort and, Really, what what I've valued on, on that front has been consistent attempts to make a difference defensively at the professional level, going back yeah. to last season. And while yes, as you as you mentioned, there's definitely still some speed bumps in there of him kind of overcommitting defensively and then not being there to support the the, the counterattack. But uh, it's been it's been a really really solid integration of defensive habits that I've seen in uh, in Maverick Bork that really was not there at the Q uh, mm -hmm. at the Q level. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still a really big fan of Bork. I think that high high IQ and toolsy centers are right up my alley, and uh, yeah. Bork definitely fits that mold. 100%. Uh, but yeah, that brings us to Isak Rosian, uh, a prospect of the Buffalo Sabres, who kind of flies under the radar given how good their pool is. I mean, when you've got, you know, Matt Savoy and Zach Benson and... <laughs> Yuri oh, Kulik and you know JJ Paterka and the list goes on and on and on. I mean, he kind of gets lost in that mix, but he's got 17 points in 14 games in the AHL right now with Rochester, and he's playing really well. Um, I think the main thing with Rusan is he really needed to kind of get involved in physical battles, you know, more, not only more, but in ways that don't, you know, end up with him on his butt. I mean, he, he's pretty yeah. frail. Um, and I, I think he's definitely worked on that and that's helped him kind of improve his, his production. But overall, I mean, in Rosanne, you're getting a player who does the brunt of his work in transition. He's a really kind of elusive and, and evasive skater. Um, the way that he accesses the middle, um, you, you kind of think the whole time that is going to drive down the boards as a defenseman. And then before you know it, he's across your body and, and, and trying to make a play through the middle of the ice. Um, that's one thing that really kind of, kind of solidifies the type of player that he is. Um, but overall, I, I mean, the defensive improvements have been really, really solid. He's been one of the better defensive forwards on um, a pretty good Rochester team. And yeah, I mean, there's so many different areas of, pro of pro progression in this game and so many different areas that are worth exploring as an NHL team that I think it's just a matter oh, yeah. of time before we see Rosan in a bottom six type of role where he's kind of banging away at, at, at those opportunities until he gets a shot. Um, but yeah, he's been, he's been a very, very good prospect in the AHL so far. And I believe he leads. Yeah. He leads Rochester in points, uh, which exactly. is not too bad for a player. I think he's still 20 um, or maybe he's 21. Young still. Yeah. He's very, yeah. very young and, and was drafted young as well. He was a late birthday. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to love here, uh, but that brings us to, um, that brings us to our last player, Brad Lambert, one of your favorites. Uh, one of my take favorites. it away on him. Yeah. And, and yeah. what do you think about Lambert's progression so far? I think he's a point per game so far in the AHL, right? He is indeed 12 points in 12 games. And Brad Lambert is a player that uh, could not catch a break in his draft year, apart yeah. uh, apart from injuries. Like he stayed healthy, but apart from that, he really couldn't catch a break. Uh, nothing was going in. His linemates could not support him. They could not match his, his mental pace at all in yeah. Liga and uh that really led to him falling like tremendously down to 30th overall and uh 
uh, I mean, last game at WHL and the stacked Seattle team was excellent. But the bigger question in my mind was how we would adapt to the AHL because he had some decent games early on last season in the AHL before getting sent down to junior. But there are also some duds in there. Like he had a good training camp, but in the regular season, I, I saw a lot more issues in his play. But this season, he's been far, far better. That stint in the WHL has done wonders for his confidence. Uh, he is uh, really, really determined with the puck on his stick now. He is far more trusting of his own skill and yeah. its ability to solve problems against high-level professional competition. And mm -hmm. overall, he's been the most dynamic player on that uh, Manitoba Moose roster so far this season, which surprises me not at all, but uh, it's great to see. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, this is a 19-year-old player, right? And he's already doing quite nicely in the AHL. So uh, Brad, Brad Lambert having success always brings a smile to my face. But uh, yeah, no, he's, he's, been, he's been very, very good to start off. For sure. And that wraps things up for our second segment. Now we'll talk about our, some defensemen here to close things off in our final segment. We'll talk about Brent Clark, Logan Mayu, Olin Zellweger, and a lot more coming up on today's show after these messages from our sponsors over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle. From superchargers to roof racks to LED headlights and far more, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for with eBay Motors. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back, which is only available to U.S. customers. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP. Keep your ride or dive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, so let's wrap things up for today's show. We'll talk about some productive defensemen among prospects in the AHL. We'll start off with the big name, and I think the most impressive of this bunch. It's Brent Clark. Um, he's got 11 points in 13 games, but beyond that, the, pro the progression in this game, especially defensively, has been fantastic. I mean, he's still about a bang average skater, um, but he's mentally ahead of the game, and that helps him a lot in terms of his ability to close gaps off the rush, to clear the net front, to identify threats that are sweeping through the, the slot. Um, a very aware, very conscious defensive player. Um, and I think that's the biggest progression in this game, and the main thing that was help holding him off from becoming a kind of NHL staple was that he wanted to see the defensive game come up a couple notches um i believe he played a couple nhl games in his draft here and it was very clear that you know he was a mainly offensive leaning defenseman yeah. um but yeah he had the tools in order to become a two-way force i mean mentally offensively always been ahead of the game it's just applying those same principles defensively that was still the, the holding point and i feel like he has this year with the ontario reign um but yeah what's your thoughts been on on brian clark since this draft here and what do you feel has has come along the most you know, since, since he's gone drafted. I watched him a ton in the OHL last season, and he was uh, the best player in the league when he was playing. He played only half the season, but he was like two yeah. points a game as a defenseman. And he's, I think, over a goal a game in the playoffs as a defenseman. And just like absurd things. Yeah. And uh, he, he's been really, really good at the AHL level this season. And I was really hoping that he cracked the NHL roster to start the year, but clearly LA wanted to give him a bit more time, which is a patient approach that I don't mind. Uh, but he he is uh, definitely knocking on that door to get a call up already, and 
this is a player, as you said, with the mental pace, but also the skill and the toolkit to really make it work at the NHL level. And the defensive game has improved. I, I, I still view him primarily as an offensive piece rather than a two-way uh, projection at this stage, but uh, maybe that, that that changes in a couple of years' time. But uh, the raw skill here is really exceptional. And uh, to, to do what he's been able to do at basically every level apart from his couple NHL games, uh, despite having subpar skating, is really impressive and indicative of just high how high end that intelligence is, and mm-hmm. uh, he's been just excellent this season. Like I've 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 seen a couple sequences where he's under double varial pressure, like like double pressure from two different opponents on the forecheck, and he's behind the net, and he just makes like a great bang pass into the neutral zone onto the tape and springs like a three on two going the other way and just consistently creating advantages while being pressured at high paces and just mentally ahead of the game at the AHL level as an AHL rookie is uh, really, really impressive. So, so Clark's been a standout in the AHL so far this season, definitely in contention for best rookie so far in that league. Uh, with with guys like Joshua Hua. but uh, yeah, no, he's he's been he's been really really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but moving on to Logan Mayu, uh, who is a, an AHL rookie, it's his first year in the pros, and you can see it a bit more with with Mayu. There's there have been some really intense defensive struggles. Um, he's minus ten right now, but like plus minus is plus minus. It's it's a bit misleading, but and overall. Yeah, and, but that's the thing is, you know, Mayu's playing pretty much top minutes in Laval, and, you know, he's the type of player who you really need to shelter offense, like defensively, because you need you need to give him a good, you know, defense pairing um, that, you know, complements his offensive skill set, because Mayu's shot is ridiculous. His offensive instincts are really good when he's, you know, when he's jumping into rushes in the offensive zone, when he's activating off that blue line, he can do a lot of damage, but defensively it's been rough and you know we we look at the save percentage in laval we look at the shot totals in laval we look at the the goal differences in laval but you know it 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 is a collective issue but mayu is part of that deep here that 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 decor and it's it's clear that there are some plays that just you know he'll he'll cause a turnover in the defensive zone he'll um he'll fire a puck up up a lane that's not the right lane which causes the opponents to get the puck back and occasionally just gets caught puck watching and that's that's caused a lot of slot shots when he's on the ice um but overall i mean the production's there nine points in 15 games including four goals um he doesn't have a power play goal yet which is terrifying because he's a power play producer which i mean as soon as that gets clicking you know how many goals is he going to score this year that's the main thing with mayu is that there was never any doubt about his ability to score goals he's got one of the hardest shots outside of the nhl um and it's an accurate shot both off the wrist or both off the slapper i mean he just there are so many different, you know, there are so many different ways that he can punish goaltenders. But overall, the defensive game, I just haven't seen much progression there. Have you? Not, not, not very much. I haven't watched too much of the Rocket this season yet, so uh, I'm gonna gonna wait a little bit uh, before uh, chiming in on that front. But sure. as you said, the, the individual offensive tools with Mayu were never in doubt, right? Like the handling skill and the offensive anticipation and the shot are just all really, really high end tools. The question has always been can he build a cohesive game around that that does not just like impact his team negatively on most even strength shifts and in a couple of viewings i've had of the rocket this season i haven't been focusing entirely on my u but 
as you said, there's definitely still many defensive warts in that game, but the shot has definitely been a weapon, and Laval's always looking to exploit it and use it uh, to put the puck in the net. And uh, I'm curious to kind of see how Laval's system kind of evolves around Mayu, if they're able to find a, a, a defenseman that can actually support him well enough at even strength that he's not a net negative. Uh, I think that would be the, the next steps for him at the AHL level, but the offense has translated very, very well so far. Absolutely. Um, that brings us to a, another prospect who has those offensive leanings and has been producing decently so far in the AHL. It's Owen Zellweger. He's got eight points, two goals and six to six uh, in, in 12 games. And yeah, I mean, the, the defensive progression isn't as much as I thought it would be. I saw a lot of really good defensive plays from Zellweger in his draft here, uh, in his draft plus two, rather. Um, and, you know, I expect Zellweger to take that jump this year and kind of prove that, okay, I've learned the right things in the dub. I've learned to round out my game well enough. I, I just, I still see that he's kind of a step behind plays defensively and even occasionally trying to cheat offensively. You know, he, he's, yeah. he's trying to push the offensive zone. He's trying to accelerate breakouts. He's trying to, you know, w- when his defense pairing, uh, when, his de- when his defense partner gets the puck, he's not looking to to create a good passing lane, but rather he's trying to, to jumpstart a breakout by kind of pushing up the uh, the defensive zone uh, for a breakout pass so he can carry it out, for example. There are small details like these where I still see a, a, a very offensive leaning Zellweger, which, you know, great. He's got a fantastic offensive skill set. Um but at the same time, you, you want to hit that balance. I don't think Zellweger's hit that balance yet. Um, yeah. He's a really good player, though. I mean, the, he's the, like, Anaheim Ducks fans should be really, really excited about Zellweger. He's one of the more creative and, and inventive offensive defensemen I've ever seen. Um, and on top of that, I mean, despite the fact that it's still a work in progress, it, it th- there's work in progress already. I mean, he's he's oh, he's sure. improved his defensive game for sure, right? He has. No, I, I've seen like progression on that front, but uh, not quite at the same pace as we've seen with Pavel Mintikov this season. I yeah. think that might uh, force uh, Zellweger a little bit into his shadow at the moment. But uh, these are like like the Ducks are are pretty much set uh, in terms of their future top four core uh, on defense, and Zellweger is going to be a very important piece of that. He will need to be a little bit more insulated than a guy like Mintikov does, because Mintikov is just more of a two way force than than Zellweger ever has been. Yeah. But uh, no, this is still a highly talented player. I mean, getting having eight points in twelve uh, uh, AHL games as a as a professional rookie is already pretty pretty damn good. So uh, I'm not I'm not overly concerned with Zellweger, but he will need a little bit more time to adapt to the professional level. And I think that was pretty clear also in, like, as of last season um, because he is kind of that undersized offensive defenseman mold that kind of always needs to add more uh, tools in order to adapt to the professional game than, than guys like Mintikov do. Uh, But Zellweger has been one of the better AHL defensemen this season so far too, in my viewing. So he's, he's been very good. Absolutely. But that wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe, leave us a comment, letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. They've got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports, and there are 24-hour channels. You can check them out anytime. And make sure to log, log in for our tomorrow's show, where we talk about some NCAA standout, including a couple of NTDP boys who have been popping off lately and, and producing a bit more. But this has been Hattie Calicat with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.